Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... I'm ashamed of myself. Sorry, Mom. Alright, let me get a drink here, huh? Wait, are you now going to go get a drink? No, I have a drink. Oh, okay, okay. I was taking a drink. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need to take a drink for this one, too. I actually gave up being sober for this. <laughs> <laughs> Nine years of sobriety down the drain in one movie. 20 minutes in, I was just like, I, I got I got a drink. I got a drink really, really heavily. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, welcome back to Working Title. Uh, here for week 12. It feels like it's been longer than a week, but here we are at week 12, assuming we publish once a week. Wait, um, so we're on week 12 and we watched short-term 12? It's true. Oh, wow. You know, it's hard to believe it's only been a week since we watched her, but <laughs> it must be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a movie. So here we are to talk about short-term 12 for about three minutes and then go back to talking about her. <laughs> Which is the new big fish. That's true. It is. It is the biggest fish. We found a bigger fish. So short-term 12. Uh, what is short-term 12? Well, it's an independent drama film starring Captain Marvel, uh, the detective from Knives Out, uh, Freddie Mercury, and they all live together. Oh, and uh, Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm. And they all live together in a home for at-risk youth. So that's kind of the premise of it. Wait, those kids were at risk? No, they were underprivileged. Oh, they were at risk of being in a really boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's all go around the room go around the studio, introduce our reviewers along with uh, your favorite president and why. Do you want to start us off, June? No. All right. <laughs> Shane? Um, I'm a Taft man myself. Interesting. That's a good choice. Mike? Um, I'm going to go with Lincoln just because I really like wooden teeth and I, obviously he didn't have them. But I'm sure he has something to do with wood. He's a big fan of the logs. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just inhaled a whole bunch of whiskey. Just two presidents together. <laughs> I'm a big fan of wooden teeth, and naturally Lincoln didn't have them. <laughs> oh, I gotta say, I'm uh, I'm Jack. I'm a I'm a James K. Polk kind of guy. June, have you had a chance to Google presidents yet, or should we move on? Nah, let's go. He's a big fan of Abraham Washington. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, short-term 12. Mike, do you want to tell us what happens in this movie? I do. So, as you already said, it's about a uh, foster care center with um, kids that are at risk, and they are there for 12 months to about three years, generally, but as foster care centers go, it really is dependent on uh, a lot of circumstances. And that movie is entirely about circumstances. It is about very dramatic uh, stories with people growing up in abusive families. And the entire movie takes place 
in this care center with a plethora of these children living and interacting with their caregivers. Um, and that's the entire movie. Now you talk. <laughs> so, yeah, a handful of things happened in this movie. Um, hold, hold on. Before, before we get into this, so you mentioned, like, obviously the film is centered around at-risk youth. Um, Shane, as an at-risk adult, what did you think of this film? <laughs> I, I just started this movie and I thought about the movie Happy Feet and how much more <laughs> I like that movie than this one. What's the what? connection to Happy Feet? <laughs> I, just, I, think what he's, I think what he's trying to say is this is a really rough movie to watch. It's so, so awful. Happy Feet is a movie about at-risk penguins. <laughs> As an at-risk adult, I couldn't uh, identify with any of these youth. I didn't have a youth, so. The only person that I identified with was Nate, who I, was Freddie Mercury, as we talked about in the, the intro. I, I think he's the only person that was actually um, fun in this entire movie. Like, he was the, I think he was supposed to be the comic relief, because this is a very heavy movie to watch. Uh, but the entire movie, like, this horrible shit keeps happening. And they would be like, how do you feel right now? And then Nate would be like, oh, I don't feel really good. Like, this is terrible. And he's like, no, I'm talking to the kid. And he's like, oh, yeah, of course. How are you doing? He was he was the audience. We're just sitting there going, um, <laughs> I'm not okay. Wow. His response was the equivalent of me looking up from my phone to see what was happening in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing I do want to mention on the note of Nate slash uh, Rami Malek. Uh, so on Amazon Prime, the poster top heading uh, for Short Term 12 is starring Brie Larson and Rami Malek, right? Yeah. He's got about six lines. Yes. So okay, that, like that Mason dude who was really the, the main character. Yeah, he carried a lot of weight. Um, yeah. So I totally get putting Brie Larson like top heading because... She's a pretty, I mean, she's starring, she's a notable actress, and she was a notable actress in 2013 when this came out. I don't think Rami Malek was, like, substantial in any way at that time. Well, so, this movie was Brie Larson's, like, breakout lead role or whatever. Was Um, this before The Room? Yeah, so this was before Mm -hmm. Room, and I would be honest, like... she was in The Room? Different Room. Not The Room. (laughs) Room, Room, not The Room. (laughs) Just Room. Um, So, I'm not... I'm not the biggest fan of Brie Larson. Um, I have not seen Room, for which she won an Academy Award, but uh, I have seen Captain Marvel, which was absolute garbage. Um, really? It was, hot, it was hot garbage. I yeah. thought it was pretty adequate. It was It was garbage. This is specifically, specifically her acting. The point I'm trying to make is that I don't, find her all that interesting as an actor but she did very good in this film well if we want to discuss acting capabilities within the context of captain marvel <laughs> i can go there so so brie brie in this movie she plays the character grace who is a who, like you said she's the lead and she is one of the caregivers at this facility she's i guess a senior caregiver she knows all the kids and she's the one who's kind of teaching um nate who's the the new orderly who just barely came in and her boyfriend is uh, Marcus, who we already talked about. And a lot of the story is about Grace and her relationships with the kids and Marcus and uh, her past as well. She 
she actually is an abused person as well and was through the foster care system herself as well as Marcus which is her current boyfriend and uh the drama between her and Marcus um starts at the very beginning where it turns out Grace is she goes and finds out that she's pregnant and that really brings up a lot of stress in her life and it throughout the movie it really kicks off yeah just just a really quick clarifying thing yeah her boyfriend is Mason and Marcus is played by Lakeith Stanfield, who I am very ready to talk about. Um, but yeah, this is a, yeah, I think this is a really interesting role um, and like really well acted because she kind of has to um, play out this balance of being like a, a tough person, but also a person who's like working through a lot of stuff or maybe very much not working through a lot of stuff and sweeping it under the rug. So I think there's a lot of a range to what she has to do in this movie. And I think she did it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and she meets uh, the other character, which is uh, pretty prominent in the film, Jaden, who is this young girl that I think Grace kind of uh, sees herself in her at a younger age. And she really takes Jaden on as uh, her big, um, I guess, ordeal. Yeah, she kind of, um, redemption isn't the right, right word, but she um, kind of tries to spare Jaden of the same struggles that she had, in a sense. I liked Sam. Oh, the, the kid <laughs> that kept running away? <laughs> he just kind of run away, get caught, and then just go lay back in his room for three days and then try again. <laughs> I identified with him. <laughs> so, uh, we're not going to like go into sections of this movie, right? No. Okay. It's pretty so, short. This is a good time for me to say, like, this movie had so little overall substance that it's one of the few movies where you can, like, read the Wikipedia plot synopsis and just be good with it. I think, yeah, we already covered everything. Yeah. It was it was about a 10-page script. <laughs> yeah. Like, we can dig in scene by scene, but, like, the, the high-level notes are there. Like, we've, we've put it on the table. Well, the only thing that I really took away from this movie on a serious note is that it, it is a reflection of how the systems in our country are failing youth at risk. Like, the main doctor who's in charge of this, the guy who has a graduate degree in psychology and raising children in foster care centers sends this little girl back to her abusive, you know, molesting father. And that is a big hit on how Grace being a, I don't think she ever talked about going to college at least, but she doesn't, she doesn't reference any kind of like formal education, but knows more about these children's psychology than the actual doctor, well, graduate guy who's supposed to be in charge of this entire place. But then on the flip side, the central like point with Marcus, like he leaves and is scared of leaving, but then is like successful uh presumably because of this facility so but but i would say because of grace though who is really kind of coaches him out the door at the very end there i see what you're saying like not the not the system but the the people right yeah i mean if only we had had brie larson to coach uh what's his name from sling blade <laughs> <laughs> he may have not killed all those people um on counterpoint to mike though they do make that counselor guy, the head dude, look like a bad guy. And I get what they're going for, but he does have a point if you think about it. Like, that's a very severe accusation that he can't just level out at everybody. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of obvious, but I can see his point legally how he needs 
some like concrete this is what happened not a story that oh yeah i i 100% agree with you but the point that i was trying to make was not that this guy wasn't making good points that are in our legal system the point is these these organizations do not have the correct infrastructure to be able to find out who is the bad and who is the okay like parent right you could tell they're underfunded and just scraping by so week 12 on working title, we talk uh, policy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think some interesting things are like that I found on like a not plot note, but on a movie note is this is like a pretty, pretty good roundup of three or four really good actors and actresses before they became famous, like well before mm-hmm. like Rami Malek. I think the most significant thing he had been in before this movie was the Pacific on HBO Oh, yeah, that's right. Like uh, Brie Larson, like you said, June, this is her first or like her breakout lead role. Um, Lakeith Stanfield, his breakout role, too. And we'll get into Lakeith Stanfield in a minute. But What's he been in since? A lot of stuff. Um, and Stephanie Beatriz, who is on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as we mentioned. And she was, I don't think, anybody of significance. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't exactly a, a major role, but by... Did she have any lines? Yeah. Well, she did, but <laughs> she was she was definitely very background. All right, this is the point. <laughs> this is the point in the podcast. Shane, when did you fall asleep? Hey, I stayed awake for this entire film. It was. A- you picked this movie to stay awake through. Fuck me. <laughs> Apparently, I'm just a glutton for punishment. <laughs> just kidding. You know. So yeah, I think that's a good good kind of way to talk about this movie instead of talking about the 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 depth of the plot and making jokes about it because it really is not something to joke about unfortunately this is not our uh, forte of not if we want to keep podcasting (laughs) i would like to say that the 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 filmography of this movie i didn't like there was a lot of like shaky cam a lot of like they tried to make it it was it was a film festival film right yeah yeah yeah, and it felt like a film festival film. It's funny you say that. The One of my first notes is 10 seconds in, I was like, yep, some film student made this shit. Oh, yeah. Because like, that opening I, scene was like so stereotypically... Um, it looked like Juno. <laughs> That's what I got, too. I was, Oh, it's in my notes right here. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I, I will point out it's, it's definitely for a specific audience though and i would say that the yes. m- minority is that audience i had a problem with the camera though it was too shaky sometimes like i literally was like drawn out of the scene because i'm like fuck with this camera stop moving around i <laughs> yeah and i didn't i don't know what that added to the movie like here's what it could have added the whole time it had it had a lot of very close-up shots right like right at people's faces it kind of gives you this feeling of like unease and the whole time at least for me i was thinking like something is going to go like very very terribly wrong and then it never did so that kind of film device didn't really come to fruition in my opinion that's true there is like a tension like you're waiting for something because they they give you that story in the beginning about the the 16 year old and it's like a funny story but then it's like oh yeah he died and it's like, oh shit. So you're just expecting that throughout the movie. Jack has a series of points, I think, that he's just dying to get out. Well, we passed over my joke, so that's going to have to go by the wayside. But no, no, we can go back. No, no, no. spit no, it. We, we can't. We can't. What was the setup? Wait, tell me what I need to say to set it up. It's gone. Let's talk about Lakeith Stanfield. How about Lakeith Stanfield? What a guy, right? <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> 
It's not the fucking joke, Mike. Oh, sorry. I'm just. I'm actually just gonna talk about how good I think Lakeith Stanfield is. And you're like, what movies has Lakeith Stanfield been in? He's been in everything, but he is such a good actor that he just becomes the role. He's one of those actors that becomes invisible in the role he plays. So, just in the last year, he was in Uncut Gems, which I'm pretty sure was like a Oscar nominee, right? No, it was a big controversy that it got snubbed. Yeah. So he was in there. He had a really significant role on there. He was in Knives Out. He played the detective. He's been in about 20 movies since this, like straight out of Compton. He played Snoop Dogg. But yeah, he's a he's an amazing actor and he straight up blends into every role. I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff, but he is not even like recognizable between movies. He just absolutely becomes what he's playing. Hmm. He was in the original Short Term 12, I believe. Yes, so yeah. this was his breakout. So Short Term 12 is based on a 2008 short film. By the same dude, yeah. So it's kind of a Sling Blade situation, yeah. So he plays the same guy. Um, and I thought he was maybe even better than Brie Larson as far as acting in this uh, movie goes. Yeah, he did very well in this. For sure. Yeah. And his rap, like, he did really good at, like, you felt like Mason. You're like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's good. All right. I'll, oh, damn, dog. Yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> about, <dude>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my my wife was originally supposed to be a social worker for her undergraduate. And she was saying that the reason why she actually changed her degree was because of these types of situations where there's, there's two options in this type of world where one... You follow the law, you become the villain, you you know, you, you end up doing the mistakes like the guy who's the graduate student, or sorry, the graduate uh, owner of the, or <clears throat> director yeah, the, of this, yeah. this the place. Manager. Yeah. Or two, you start to break the rules, you become a vigilante, and you end up becoming fired for what you're trying to do, what you think is right. And Or it could be Remy Malik just wandering around aimlessly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Speaking of a therapist going rogue, um, <laughs> I'm not sure Brie Larson breaking into Jaden's house and then smashing her dad's car's windows with her. Don't don't gloss over the fact that she broke in to murder him. Yeah, yeah. Did she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she was standing over him with a baseball bat. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention for that part. <laughs> that was the pivotal moment of this film, as as far as we can use that term, but. That was that was actually my favorite part of this, not because of whatever the the emotion of the scene, but because of uh, Jaden. <laughs> she so Brie Larson's character is standing over Jaden's sleeping father with a baseball bat, ready to like bash his head in, and right as she's kind of about to do it, uh, Jaden walks into the doorway and is like says something to the effect of like. Little dramatic, don't you think? Like, yeah, I think that's the exact yeah. line. <laughs> it was, it was. That was a very good scene. Very calm for seeing an intruder standing in her house with a baseball bat. Yeah, I really liked her character, uh, Jaden's character. I think above all the others, she was excellent. That actress did a good job. I want to see uh, part two of this film where, yes, she goes and she ends up making a police report talking about her father's abusive. However, though. I don't think the law is going to gloss over the fact that you just barely damaged his property. Like you, That you... was a Toyota Camry, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing that happens in this country? Like, if you break the law, however, you have a good reason to break the law, is that okay? 
I think the uh, the approach they're going to take is just not mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, I think the dad's not going to bring that one up. Like in court, he's like, yes, I raped my daughter, but, but look at the car. <laughs> I guess I didn't really... Uh, I didn't really dig that whole sequence because that's where it felt like it went from a fairly, fairly Real, like realistic, realistic slice of life sort of uh, movie into like a a brief segue into like, I think, like back. Yeah, I think you're right. It would have been better if like Jaden was the one that broke the car completely, and like Brie Larson watches and and kind of has an understanding. You know, Brie Larson beating it up is kind of like. Um, you're kind of co-opting this chick's pain right now. Well, I think the point is that they both had the same right backstory, and yeah, uh, that's I think that's I get it. Probably the most powerful point of this is like, uh, Grace knows like what the quote right answer is, and she's able to like lead others towards that right answer, but she's not always prone to like follow it herself, kind of thing. Yeah, I got more though when they were drawing together, and she's like, "Well, maybe you wanted to keep them away from your mom," because like then you're like, "Oh, okay, Jaden's leading her through this." But Grace was also telling Jaden, "Like, hey, I like I've been there. Like, I know the situation." Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think it was a really powerful kind of scene or a series of scenes for the characters. I just think it detracted from the movie as a complete work. I just want to like credit the scriptwriter because at every moment i was waiting for this to turn into like some college freshman script writing class where like you just started to see the bad banter or something stupid but they kept pretty like it seemed real you know what i mean they didn't like even the stories didn't venture too bad like i never saw through the script like i do in other indie films like this yeah it was never too on the nose yeah like excellent writing that they could keep you in because at any moment it could have turned into like i'm sure you know but like that kind of film where you're like all right all right but it stayed pretty level it was it was good yeah it never felt like there was a moment where the characters were like turning to the camera office style to deliver some stump speech about you know the yeah. the injustice of the system it it stayed pretty real but so if I could, uh, there, this is the entire, uh, what you're going into right now is the, the biggest thing that I thought was the, the downfall of this film, as a film goes, where the last 10 minutes of it became this weird happy ending kind of like fairy tale kind of shit, where the entire movie was this horribly depressing, very realistic, like showing you what society does, what's really happening in the world. And then at the very end, there's like a bunch of quick cut scenes where it's like, Hey, we're cool with the baby now. We're going to have it. And then, hey, this guy ended up going and dating this girl that he liked. Like, And, hey, Jaden ended up going and, like, and it became this, like, everybody wins at the end. And that really was, like, 90 minutes of this movie was about how depressing and uncontrollable and things don't go the way you plan them to be. But at the end, they're, like, I think the director realized, like, wow, this is depressing as fuck. Like, I better <laughs> make up a way to make everybody kind of feel happy at the end. Because, like, I left that movie being, like, oh, that was good. Everybody's happy. But... The whole film was was supposed to like be like real and gritty and, and make you feel something. And at the end, it's like, don't worry about it. All that stuff you just watched doesn't matter. Yeah, I kind of feel like a big theme of the movie is that like there's no clean cut, super happy ending for most people. Like people get get their wins, right? They have their 
their ups, but they work hard for them and they earn them. And it's hard, you know, like a hard path to get there. And then in the end, it all just kind of wraps up real quick. And obviously, like we can't follow these people for six years as they go to therapy every every week. But I think the little uh, devil's advocate to that would be that the the final final like scene is the kid that runs you know he's just he's still he's at it again like running like work isn't over kind of thing it wasn't definitely wasn't as powerful as the the good uh the have uh, the feel good stories but i think it was attempted at least so on the note of sammy i think his name is running away at the end question to the group he puts on an american flag runs out the door and the movie ends with them chasing him and him cutting backwards away from them as they like trip over and fall trying to like get at him. Is he just fucking with them at this point? I was hoping for a freeze frame where he like did the, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then cut to like the script of like old nineties movies. Sammy grew up to become a serial arsonist. (laughs) I thought they were going to go to like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine freeze frame of the characters and like slice in their name. So another thing I wanted to think about was the soundtrack to this. I didn't notice a single piece of music until like the climax of the movie. Did I just miss it? Or do they not have a soundtrack for two thirds of it? That's really strange. I don't remember any music throughout the entire movie. I don't either. That's a good point. I mean, at that point, I was listening for something because I felt like I hadn't heard anything. I'm sure there was music. They were playing music as Brie Larson biked from the hospital to Jaden's dad house, dad's house. There was a, some, like a, a fairly heavy soundtrack, as you might expect for that movie in the moment, or from that moment in the movie. But otherwise, it was pretty quiet. Is that like a, a praise of the soundtrack? Or is that, because I honestly don't know, like, was the soundtrack so good, we just didn't notice it? And that's a good thing? I mean, I think it's a lot better than the Sling Blade soundtrack, which went into like weird. <laughs> like, do, do we thank the guy that wrote the, the composer and we're like, thank you. We didn't notice you. You know, now that I think back, there definitely was a soundtrack. It was like, yeah, I do remember like hearing the typical kind of indie acoustic guitar. Like, Mumford and Sons? Yeah, kind of shit. I mean, my joke earlier that I didn't get to make was that this was one Shins single away from a real indie movie, but you don't listen to the Shins, so it's that's, okay. That's way too highbrow. If we should take anything away from this film is that there is a minority demographic that's going to love that joke. Good job, Jack. <laughs> yeah. It definitely was, though. Like, if you could classify this movie as anything, you go, oh, this was a Sundance film, huh? Like, you'd yeah. immediately go, oh, this was at cons, huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So anything else we want to discuss about the movie before we start talking like reception, box office type stuff? Yeah, I was a little concerned that the, the like Grace had a breakdown of her father being released from prison, which brought back all of those memories. And then it kind of glossed over the fact that what happened with that? Like, was she scared for her, her own safety or was that just like a trigger? I think it was a trigger. I think the so the, the dude's not coming for... to get her. I think a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, I mean, the implication isn't that, like, he's coming to kill her, just that... But she said that she sent him away, though. I think that has to do with her interaction with Jaden, in that Jaden has the power to, like, testify against her dad or report what her dad is doing but isn't, and uh, Grace did. Mm. It was definitely just a vehicle to 
make her more similar to Jaden situation. So um, how the movie did, like we mentioned, it is not like a super, it's not a A-list film, right? It's a super indie. It opened in like four theaters. So it made like $50,000 its opening weekend. So this may be the smallest film we've reviewed so far. Yeah, once it, even at its widest release, it only got up to 75 theaters and made like a million dollars. So this is a very tiny film. How much did it cost to make it? So the budget was under $1 million, uh, brought in $2.3 million all in all. So um, yeah, so it made money. But I mean, the impression I get is that this was not like a money-making venture. I think this was just like artistic people being creative. That's one thing. But I think there are some movies out there that are made to get people uh, into the limelight or get them in the spotlight, I should say. So like, like you know, the actors... Um, in this film all ended up playing roles in bigger films that were the money makers. You have to have the jump off point. And I feel like the indie scene is a great place for an actor to show or an actress to show their ability to act and then get bigger roles later on. And I think this movie was exactly that. Yeah. So this one premiered at South by Southwest. Um, it won a fuck ton of film festival awards. Oh, this wasn't at Sundance. I'm not able to see if it went to Sundance, but it didn't premiere at Sundance for sure. Or at least it didn't win any awards at Sundance. Um, Rotten Tomatoes loves the shit out of this movie. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes puts this at 98%. Obviously, this is in the top 250 of IMDb. So all in all, super well regarded. But there's one data point missing from the ratings of this movie, and it's where we, the reviewers of Working Title, rank it among the movies we've seen so gentlemen are you all prepared to put this movie in the list yep yes do you want to start us off mike sure number one on the list big fish this movie falls under sin city right above the killing Ooh, that's pretty pretty low for you it is i gave it a six out of ten uh because i was obligated to give it a six where i want to give it a five but my wife liked it Mm. (laughs) june um i think i want to actually can't Go ahead, Mike. Sorry, June. Can I can I give a reason why I gave it a, such a low score? Yeah. All right. So great acting. I really felt like everybody in this movie felt realistic, even the kids. And it's hard to watch movies with kids and get like really good acting. They did a great job in this film. I didn't like uh, the filmography. I didn't like the indie feel to it. It's just not my type of, of movie. And I really didn't like the sum up at the end where everything just kind of like was a nice little box presented to the viewer yeah i think that's fair all right june where are you putting this bad boy i think i, I i'm actually gonna put this one last Ooh, really whoa that last it's not like it was like a terrible movie you know but it just had so little substance i personally think this movie should have died as a short film i think that was like mm. the perfect venue for it and it should it didn't deserve a feature film uh length oh okay. I like interesting I feel, I feel that i can't disagree with you there but i'm gonna differ on that line where do you put it shane so i rate mine on will i watch the movie again <laughs> so like you know like if someone was like hey i haven't seen that i was like you know what i'll watch it with you obviously there's a lot of these movies i'll never watch again i'm gonna put it 
below Ratatouille, but above Sin City. Wow, that's really good. No, it's five. It's a good movie. Like, I was, it kept me awake. All the movies below it, I fell asleep at some point in those movies, but this one I stayed awake, probably because it's an hour and 20 minutes or something. <laughs> it's it's not a bad film. There's really good acting, despite me not really being a fan of Brie Larson. Like, I I don't want to watch it again. It was like being punched in the nuts for an hour and 20 minutes, but it's it was good. You'd rather be punched in the nuts for an hour and 20 minutes than watch Sin City again. <laughs> <laughs> last huh that's that's crazy i didn't yeah. think it was worse than the killing no i cannot put this last in good conscience i hate the straight story honestly <laughs> honestly my question right now is if i rank this ahead of or just behind the straight story and i think this is gonna be number five for me just ahead of the straight story wow Interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's like, like the tale of Indie Jack. <laughs> I mean, I don't Damn, even know. You guys are, you guys are, uh, you guys are indie guys, huh? It's. I mean, there were flaws with this movie, but like across the board, and so upfront, like it's not like an exciting or very fun movie, but across the board, it's in almost all categories, really well executed. Like, the acting is really good across the board. Like, I can't think of a single um, actor in this movie that was a weak point. The cinematography stuff that I think we've complained about is fairly nitpicky in some ways, right? Like, I mean, at least in my opinion, like, I didn't like the shaky cams. I don't feel like that added anything to the movie, but I also don't feel like it was, like, a really substantial issue. Like, it's not Michael Bay shake-a-vision, right? <laughs> Yeah, I I thought it was generally really good, but not the best we've seen. It's interesting, you know. I gotta say the the most surprising the, the person that I'm most surprised about in this is Shane. Like, I did not think Shane would be uh, a, a short term twelve guy. Maybe I because I watched this one with my fiance, and I didn't watch the other ones with her. She's about to be my future ex girlfriend, but. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, I would never tell anyone to watch this movie, but if you do watch it, it's a great... No, it's like telling someone to get in a cage fight. Like, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm sure you're a changed person once you come out of it. <laughs> so that takes us into our next section. Do we recommend watching it to other people? It sounds like a no from Shane. June? No, I... Like, once again, I'm going to caveat my rating with the fact that this is going against, uh, up until now, a series of feature films. And I just don't think it, it the the yep. the substance that was there could have been portrayed as its original short film, and uh, right. So yeah, I'm, I'm personally I'm not going to recommend this one. Mike, do you recommend watching it? Um, so that's tough. Um, I would think that if somebody is not educated into this type of of world, yes, I think this is something that everybody should kind of realize that people have to go through, and I think it makes you a better person for realizing it. But as far as like entertainment goes, no. Yeah, I think I am also a conditional recommend. This is not the kind of thing where like someone on the work slack is like, I need something to do tonight. You want to have a good movie? Oh, fuck yeah. Short term 12. <laughs> uh, You're feel great. Do I got a movie for you, bud. <laughs> but like based on the person, I could see this being really powerful. Or if someone is in 
the right mindset for a movie like this because I think it is a powerful movie and it's a very real movie and I think being too real can make a movie difficult to recommend to when escapism is sometimes what you want. Nice. I'd like to, before we close out, um, so this movie has some controversy in terms of a Oscar snub. Everybody Ooh. believed that Brie Larson should have uh, at least received a nomination. I want to know what you guys think of that. Who was she going up against? Um, so this would have been the 2014 Academy Award. So Kate Blanchett and uh, Blue Jasmine, Amy Adams in American Hustle, Sandra Bullock in Gravity, Judy Dench in Philomena, and that's Dame Judy Dench to you. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, and Meryl Streep in August, uh, Osage County, Osage. Uh, Kate Blanchett and Blue Jasmine. Wow. Oh, right, right. yeah. Fucking don't agree with that. I I think that's rough. It's not really a snub, but you definitely could I would have pulled Sandra Bullock for Brie Larson. Sandra Bullock and Gravity was a horrible movie. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't call it a snub. It's not like, oh my god, what a travesty. But I I I could see that. Cause Brie Larson was good. Like, but truthfully, I think Mason was better. Like he, he was did a really good. Damn good job. Yeah. And he's one of the few like leading roles who didn't go on to do like a bunch of like significant stuff. Freddie Mercury was honestly the best character in this entire film. <laughs> <laughs> he's the most believable. <laughs> I've always wanted to work with underprivileged children. Underprivileged? What the fuck you mean by that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or when he raps, he's like. <laughs> My name is Nate, and y'all oh, yeah. are hate. <laughs> that was a great scene. I thought they were about to kick his ass. I know, scene. that was so cringeworthy. How you doing but... there, Nate? Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> he sanitizes his face because she spits on him. So, Mike, where where did you put this movie on your list again? Uh, I put it right underneath, um, uh, right underneath Sin City, Above the Killing. Oh, so this isn't even week twelve. This is, this is week eleven, and I was full of shit. <laughs> oh no, June, you're just gonna have to go through it, and like every single time we see twelve, you just need to put in eleven. Then it'll just end up as short term eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See ya on week twelve. Wait, what are we watching next week? Yeah, what are we watching next week? Next week's movie is nineteen. 19- 68's Rosemary's Baby. Oh, boy. Well, we will see you next week with 1968's Rosemary's Baby. Am I confusing Rosemary's Baby with Sophie's Choice? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 